0: They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Organ Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged, so sing along with the Biblical Baldy ballad. Get out of here, Baldy, get out of here, Baldy, if you don't know what I mean. Read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy, get out of here, Baldy, if you don't know what I mean. If you don't know what I mean. Come and take a listen to
1: your two bald kings. Blessed be Baldy buddies and welcome to another episode of the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Michaud, and I'm joined by, as always, Pastor Ben Hitzfield. This is episode seventy seven. Brother seventy seven. Man, dude. Seventy seven. That's pretty cool. That's uh, like a nice That's a good number. It's got a ring to it.
2: Yeah. And it almost feels like God is happy with that. Two seven. So it's, it's awesome.
1: <laughs> I love it. So I was, uh, it was interesting looking at Usually I do the national day of the whatever first. Yeah. And if I find something there interesting, I do it. And so there was nothing that was like, there was a national like Walk Your Dog Day, which I thought nice. for your job, I almost pulled it out, but I'm like, he's gonna get tired of me bring this up all the time on the podcast. Um, oh, that's great. So, but I've stumbled on this one. I thought was kind of fun, yeah. and it was February 19th. Um, so that's today, which is Monday. Yeah. And in 1913, the first prize was inserted into a cracker jack box.
2: Yeah, I mean that's pretty cool, box. and and. Uh, what what I realized when I looked that up yesterday kind of, kind of looking up some things there are differences of opinion of actually when that happened oh there are okay. some dates that have it at like 1912 and some dates that have it at even earlier than that but you got to pick a date and go with it and so and it even acknowledged that there are are differences of opinion on when that actually happened so it so is we'll see. It is. If you're we're a true
1: done. history buff and you've researched this more in depth and <laughs> we're wrong, let us, <laughs> let us know that we can come back <laughs>
2: That's right.
1: and correct ourselves here. Because <laughs> we just want to always tell the truth. So That's right. That's what we're <laughs> after. So, here, Ben, do you like Cracker Jack? Because I know there can be kind of a polarizing um, treat. Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, or if not, is there a setting where you're like, ah, here, I'll eat it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Now Cracker Jack is the caramel popcorn with like the peanuts and stuff in it, right? So you got it. That's so that weird, that
1: of, basically molasses okay. flavored caramel corn okay. with peanuts.
2: You know, I've only probably had that snack, like the actual Cracker Jack. Probably I can count on one hand how many times I've I've had it. It's uh, and and I've enjoyed it every time. I've okay. never Very protested whenever I've had it. I do like uh, like caramel corn and stuff, and, and that always seemed to be around our house quite a bit because my parents like popcorn, but I suppose the big thing with Cracker Jacks is that it's got the, the peanuts in it. And, um, and so, you know, I, I probably had other snacks, but of course, the, the big thing with Cracker Jacks is the is the song, and this is this is and I don't know if what information you have, but from my understanding is the song Take Me Out to into the Ball Paul game where it talks about buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. Yeah. Goes back to like nineteen oh seven. Boom. I mean that's crazy. And and we're so, still doing it. Isn't that isn't that cool? And it was basically that that song really elevated the popularity even more so of Cracker Jack.
1: Whoever wrote the song was obviously a wow. fan. Because of all the ballpark food you could have chosen.
2: Yeah. Like you Cracker said Cracker
1: Jack gets the mention.
2: You could have said, buy me some hot dogs and and Coca Cola or something. Nachos.
1: Yeah. Yeah. you I guess you're right. I probably did. I mean and then I was thinking, like, well, like, what made Cracker Jack? I didn't think about it in the song. That's mm. probably there. Yeah. But then I thought this little prize thing was probably brilliant into grabbing kids, right? Who maybe they're weighing their options. Yeah, are right. right. Right for a snack. Yeah, and maybe they even hate peanuts <laughs> in stuff.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: But they would probably still, because of the little prize inside. Yeah, buy the Cracker Jack. And that's what you're right. like when I think of Cracker Jack though it's it's out a baseball game yeah. and um, I mean, you think I would have thought of the seventh inning stretch there with the song in, in it but you know you're probably right. And that's where like I think if I enjoy Cracker Jack, hmm. it's probably at a ballpark, although now a lot of them have like their own like like fresh kettle corn,
2: which is yeah just and as I'm, good. I'm getting
1: that every time. It's good. Okay. gosh. <laughs> I mean that's what cracker jack was supposed to kind of emulate on a like mass produced level. Yeah. Um, so uh, you obviously did not ha- eat a lot of cracker jack so you yeah. probably didn't get a lot of prizes but do you remember like what the prizes were when you were a kid?
2: So I had to I had to google it because I I gosh I don't know if I I don't know when they stopped putting prizes in cracker jack. I know they don't do it anymore.
1: They do, so I was this is, I researched this the other okay. day. They do a little cardboard token now that oh. takes you to their website and does yeah. like an online game.
2: That's right. Okay, that's which that is interesting.
1: Which I mean, no, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a crying shame, is what that is. <laughs> I mean, this is like <laughs> the internet has ruined everything.
2: Yeah, that's that's I mean, interesting.
1: There was so much good, but then they had to yeah. go after Cracker Jack prize box. <laughs> That was the
2: last straw. That's it. I'm <laughs> out. Straw. So, I mean, you know, the, the few times that I, that I did have Cracker Jack, I obviously didn't value those, those prizes enough. So I did look up and see what some of those prizes were through the years, little trinkets and things like that. But yeah, I, I would have to say my, my favorite, I got Simba getting
1: up on the get, 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 Simba, get. He's going to podcast with the
2: <laughs> cat climbing up on the desk here. Uh, so, but my favorite would have been, um, and I don't know when they stopped putting these in there, but baseball cards. Um,
1: oh, and it just yeah. would
2: have been, I mean, such a winning combination. You're, you're singing about Cracker Jack at the baseball game, and then you get some Cracker Jacks at the baseball game, and then you get uh, some baseball cards. And they uh, there was the website that I read yesterday, which was talking about a Ty Cobb mint condition card that was uh, that someone sold at some point in in the last, in recent years, for over $400,000. A Ty Cobb mint condition that was in the Cracker Jacks box. And they said what was so amazing about that is, like they didn't put those cards in there to be these collectibles that would stay in mint condition because they're in there with this molasses and sugar and it's like packed in there. And so just the fact that this card...
1: Some little kids drooling all over it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is what normally happens. Yeah. So
2: so that I dude, I would have been all about that if they were still doing baseball cards, and I don't know if they they were when you were a kid, but I would have been all about that. That would have been
1: Oh no, if I would have if I found a four hundred thousand dollar baseball card in my cracker jacks, the cracker jack, <laughs> jack would taste a whole lot better too, I bet. <laughs> That's insane. That those would have been cool prizes. Like, so when I remember eating them, it they basically just had temporary tattoos.
2: Okay, okay.
1: That's like, in, yeah. and I, I mean, as a kid, those were kind of cool because you're like, oh look, I got a tat. <laughs> that's right. It was like it was probably a logo of a little like sailor guy yeah. with his dog, like <laughs> looked real manly with that tattoo. But um, that's kind of what I remember growing up with. Um, But they had like
2: booklets and stuff, and they had little games and and things. They had little figurine. I mean, all sorts of things. It sounds like.
1: You're right. The baseball card is the perfect fit. They Mm should have just stuck with that. They could still do that. Yeah, they could. Pretty cheap now,
2: Mm -hmm. I think. Absolutely,
1: I like it. Now their slogan. I thought this was this. This is like the perfect antithesis to to Lent, (laughs) since we're in it. (laughs) Like here's their slogan: The more you eat, the more you want. And I'm like, that is so. That's like terribly honest, and yeah. it's just funny that uh, I don't know if that's aged 12 <laughs> or what. But what do you think? Like, uh, how is how is that slogan a great warning to us during yeah. this Lenten season, brother?
2: Yeah, it makes me think of uh, is it Pringles? Once you pop, you d- you can't stop or yes. something. And then uh, Lay's has a similar. Um, oh, what is Lay's? Honest slogans. Lay's is very, very something let's see here. It's something like um hold on folks, we are looking this
1: we're up. doing some Lays. research on the fly here.
2: That's right.
1: Dude, we we need to get more oh. listeners so we can like hire someone to do this. Like they can just yell at us. <laughs> right. Bet you can't eat just one.
2: That's it. Yeah. So and the cracker bet jack bet you have
1: no self control. <laughs> <laughs> You're the, right. The cracker the cracker
2: jack one is what is it again? <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, the more you eat, the more you want. <laughs> so, Dude, okay, so I got a. For did you see yeah. the Pluto commercial during the Super Bowl? Because this is a. It's funny. This this ended up in a conversation of that I've been yeah. wanting to have. So they it was the potatoes, the people like who dressed up as potatoes. Okay, and their slogan was "We grow couch potatoes." <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like, we're not even trying to hide the fact that we're going to ruin your life. We're going (laughs) to waste your existence. And we're gonna just tell you about it. And You're gonna be like, yeah, sign me up.
2: Oh my gosh, are are Americans just the easiest to market for? I mean, I just I wonder.
1: It's you addicted. (laughs) Like there's any just
2: (laughs) one. There's three companies right there who are basically saying the same exact thing, just with different different words. So,
1: I mean, I mean, they sound like crack dealers. Yeah,
2: yeah. well and i'll tell you like when i have an oatmeal cream pie at night i can't just eat one oatmeal cream pie i've got to have two so i don't know man
1: sarah's that same way she loves those things so much
2: it's tough i have not given those up for lent i'll just be honest about that but um but yeah you know you're right it it is the that that whole idea is the antithesis of of lent where we are trying to um pull back a little bit and um Remember that we do have some power and control over our decisions and choices, um, which is that that's a good thing for us to to remember. And I can just eat one
1: challenge oh, accepted, Lays. That's right.
2: that's right. Hey, I'm gonna post it on Facebook or something, or yeah,
1: uh, I don't can. know. There's one here's Lenten yeah, challenge, right? 40 days, that's I'm gonna right. Eat one lay, one a day <laughs> for 40 days. <laughs> there you go (laughs) oh that's
2: great I hope y'all are taking notes out there
1: so I don't know I I, I, I actually I really love honest marketing and at the same time I'm like oh my gosh this works like they're just telling us exactly what they're gonna do to us anyway more you more you want folks I love Uh, it I have that problem with not just Cracker Jack so (laughs) so um, this week I mean, I guess I could have done the Cracker Jack guy under his sailor hat. He might have been a baldy. Who knows? <laughs> but because of because of the sermon that was preached at uh, Harvest here, I'm going to yeah. do an honorary okay. baldy of the week. Okay, because um, this this will connect later on. So yeah. this is why I chose him. But Perfect. it's Frodo Baggins. Okay. Okay, so Frodo yeah. obviously has hair. It's curly and lush. Looks like mine used to. <laughs> <sighs> but. He can be an honorary because he's a hobbit. So he's got hairy feet. Yeah. He fits in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's great. That's fine.
1: Well, he's a fiction. If you don't know him, he's a fictional character in Tolkien's writings, and he's one of the protagonists of the Lord of the Rings. And so he's a hobbit from the Shire who inherits the one ring from his cousin, um, described uh, as an uncle, um, and he undertakes the quest to destroy it in the fires of Mount Doom in Mordor where the ring was forged. And so during his quest, he's repeatedly wounded. He becomes increasingly burdened by the ring hmm. as it gets closer to its destruction. Yeah. And he changes too. He he grows in understanding and compassion, um, avoiding violence upon his return to the Shire. He's really unable to settle back into ordinary life after getting a taste of the adventure. Hmm. Um, and so two years after the ring's dis- destruction, he's allowed to take a ship to the earthly paradise of Valinor. Hmm. Um, and so that's kind of his trajectory in the book. Uh, but his name comes from old English, a Froda meaning wise by experience. And so commentators of the kind of the book series have, uh, have talked about how he combines courage, selflessness, fidelity um, and uh, just good character And he seems unexciting, right, when he starts the quest. Um, And it was really quite heroic. But through the series, he grows kind of into this Mm. heroic stature. And so are you a Lord of the Rings fan? And do you have a favorite Frodo scene or quote?
0: Mm. Um,
2: Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed watching it uh, through the years. Uh, Now when the Lord of the Rings is on TV it's a good opportunity to turn it on for some background noise and just put my head down and go to sleep, man. So, uh, but no, I do love, love the entire storyline and yeah, you're right. You know, Frodo, I think the first time I ever saw Lord of the Rings, I was kind of like him, you know how he's, he's just shocked that, uh, he was picked by, uh, Gandalf <laughs> to, to take, take the ring, you know? And, and so that's probably the most amazing thing to me is sort of the transformation of Frodo from this small cowardly, uh, low self-esteem kind of character to someone who by the, by the last movie, the dude is hardened. (laughs) You know, he's, he's seen some stuff, man. He's, he's almost died in, in so many different ways. And, uh, and then also you know he's been he's also better as a person because there's been different temptations as well that mm-hmm. he's had to to face and and battle and so uh yeah count me as as a fan of of Tolkien's um uh, work there and and a Frodo i mean he's mm-hmm. just he's the, he's the hero that uh probably most people didn't expect
1: yeah I know my I think my favorite scene with him is from the fellowship of the ring and it's where they're I forget what the Elven Kingdom is called I I I need to read the books again
0: sure. uh,
1: but they're there and everyone's like kind of arguing over the ring and what to do with it and who would take it to destroy it even I think Boromir says you know mm-hmm. maybe we should re- use the ring against Sauron um, and Anyway, like, just no one's really stepping up to this. And then he he says, um, he finally, like, when and they're bickering and arguing. He finally steps up and says, I will take the ring, though I do not know the way. <laughs> it just, it's one of my favorite moments. Because um, all these, again, tough, heroic, uh, everybody who should should be the role of hero. Yeah bickering arguing refusing to yep. take responsibility trying to use it maybe for their own selfish devices mm. and he just he kind of it's it's that moment where he's been reluctant and but he just steps in the gap because he sees like this is yeah. this is he just can't stand the nonsense yeah and that's one of my favorite i think like probably no. my favorite moment um because he's already a little on the journey but that's where it becomes his yeah. like Bully, it feels
2: yeah, because like. he has the opportunity really to back out at that point and just say, yes. "Fine, you guys, one of you do it. I'm going back to the to the Shire."
1: But and so, just yeah, I mean, so he's like he becomes this. I don't know. He, he's this beautiful picture of. <laughs> and there's going to be like there uh, in uh, when Eric preached this week, he kind of played off of this as he looked at us as elect exiles and so i'll, mm. I'll bring it back up but yeah, sure. that's why we kind of uh, like brought him up and so i don't know i like i like him as a character um again just the reluctant hero mm. um and i think there's a reason he's resonated so much with people over the years for sure and so yeah, yeah. there's our honorary baldy of the week Frodo.
2: there it is Frodo and we and, uh, mentioned him I think last week uh, kind of as as a sidekick or as a we talked about Sam Wise, uh, Sam Wise. yeah.
1: which again yeah mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. look at that yeah. Yeah. we must I gotta sit down and watch the the films I need, need to, to go. go Asher I think has read these but I think it's been a while so I might have to revisit those with him and then yeah. watch the films
2: now I wonder if uh, when a, a Hobbit goes bald if their feet lose hair as well.
1: <laughs> or is it like my back where it's like as they go bald, their feet just get hairier and hairier. <laughs> there you, go. you can braid that foot hair. <laughs> I don't know. Bald hobbits.
2: All right, Frodo.
1: I'm going to have to look for one, like in the movies. I'm going to keep my eye open. Yeah. Are there any bald hobbits?
2: Oh.
1: I'm going to take a look for it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so you preached this week Now you started a new series yeah. for Lent, right yeah, yeah. and it was so the the series is twenty four hours that Changed the world yeah. and you're looking really at the last twenty four hours before Jesus's crucifixion.
2: That's correct. yeah. and okay. it's it's a book <coughs> based it's written by Adam Hamilton out of uh, Church of the oh, Resurrection. Yeah, yeah. And so, really, uh, we're just using his breakdown of the of the events of the last um, you know twenty four hours. And I don't think I've, I don't think I even quoted him once <laughs> yesterday in the message, but just using really his, his t- title and the way that he broke down the the scriptures and stuff. It gives like you
1: that. a good framework. Yeah, though.
2: yeah, okay, for sure. That's cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and so we part one of this was the upper room in the last supper.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, and so, yeah, as you kick this off, you I think you really talked about the significance of the setting. Yeah. And by that, I mean not, uh, not just the location, but also the timing mm. and what's going on. And so talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. I wanted to, um, you know, I, <laughs> being in, in a Christian church, uh, being in a church that takes communion every Sunday, you would think, man, so what am I going to say about? The, the Last Supper in a message, you know? And I thought, well, instead of just saying things that people already know, um, perhaps bring them back to the historical context of of the Last Supper when Jesus was mm-hmm. with His disciples celebrating the Passover. And, you know, last year we did the Seder meal at the church, and, um, and that was very – I mean, we had a number of repeat people, but it, it, it's always amazing. You'll get people who've been through a Seder, and they've done it once, and then they'll do it again in, in two or three years. And they seem to learn something new or pick something up different, mm-hmm. or maybe something sticks in a different way. Sure. And so, I, I mean, there's a lot of folks in our church who've never been a part of a Passover uh, Seder meal, whether like an ex, ex, explanation or even just like a full-on you know, Passover meal. So, I decided to, to kind of bring it back to that, that night in, in the Scripture. And one of the, my points in the beginning was – when we say last supper we're not saying that this is like jesus just saying hey you know i want to just eat with my disciples one last meal and these are my favorite things to eat and so let's let's eat this you know so i went and took us back to the the history of passover and talked about the 10th plague and the the death angel passing over the land of Egypt and how they slaughtered the lambs and put the blood on the doorposts and talked about how, the, you know, that's the sort of the context of the Passover uh, meal, but then also them baking the unleavened bread. Um, I talked about uh, on a typical Passover table and plate, what are the different elements that are tasted or touched or seen and what they represented. And of course, the two big items that we as Christians, when we take communion every Sunday, the two holdovers there for us obviously are the, the bread and the cup. And so I specifically leaned into those elements and talked about, you know, when Jesus takes the bread, um, I told him about how scholars suggest that the bread that he took, uh, could have been the, the second of the three, uh, matzahs. There would be the three matzahs that would, um, they would represent the Levites, the priests, and, and the Israelites. And so, there's this idea that Jesus takes a second of the three matzahs, and I asked them, I said, so when, when I say three, <laughs> um, what is, in your Christian theology, what could three symbolize? You know, And of course, everyone is like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, all right. So, imagine Jesus at the meal, he takes a second matzah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and instead of breaking that and pointing them back to what happened at the, at the Exodus, He then says, this is my body, take it and eat it, you know? So, I kind of connected that moment with the meal that they were having, and then same thing with when Jesus took the cup and He said, this is my blood, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's doing that. I mean, you just have to imagine that the disciples were probably confused um, because there was a there was a script for this. I mean, there's there's a whole uh Haggadah, you know, it's it's the order like this is what you say now, this is what you say now. And Jesus doesn't follow the script and he gets to the third, I think it's the third cup is what they say he took, which is the cup of redemption, and that's the one where he takes it and he give it gives it to his disciples and he says, This is my blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Sure. And uh, so it was just a very um I mean, even though I even though I know that it was it was interesting. Um, I had a table up on the chancel, and I had the matza, and I had the five cups of of, uh, of wine. Uh, I had like a, a seder plate and some other, you know, just some decorative things. And so it was really cool to connect what we were talking about in scripture with these physical elements, and yeah, sort of explaining how how Jesus tied himself into mm. that ancient story
1: yeah that's awesome and you so uh, in your message too you kind of out of that mm-hmm. shared maybe three truths that jesus uh really imparts to the disciples that i think ring true for us every time we participate yeah. in this meal, and can you kind of share those those three truths that you, yeah. I think you kind of landed with this, didn't yep. you?
2: Yep, that was kind of my, yeah. So, I talked about how the three things that the Jesus and his disciples did, and like you said, and these are true for us today when we take communion, is that one, uh, the meal makes us look back and, and see God's faithfulness, and how... And not just his faithfulness in the exodus, but his faithfulness in the desert, his faithfulness in bringing them into the land, uh, God's faithfulness all throughout the years. And so that's one looking back. Um, And then I said, the other thing that they did is that they they communed together in that, you know, we call it communion. They they communed together in that present moment. Jesus, I'm trying to, one of the gospels says something how Jesus uh, eagerly desired to eat that Passover with his disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was wanting to teach them a lesson, but then also there was just the, the uh, one of the questions I asked at the very beginning of the message was: if you had twenty four hours left to live and you knew that, what people would you spend time with, um, and what would you do? You know, and so Jesus wants to spend time with his disciples, and so I said, you know, that's kind of the second part of that is. When we take communion, um, we're spending time with Jesus now in the present through the Holy Spirit. So you got past faithfulness, mm-hmm. uh, present day presence, and then um, the last one was um, basically we that the fifth cup in the meal, the Elijah cup, is is not drank during the the meal because it's. The idea is that it's the Elijah cup, uh, Jews who didn't believe in Messiah or even before Jesus, they believed that Elijah would come back and bring in God's kingdom in its fullness. And so, uh, they would always leave that cup undrank. There was always an empty seat at the table for Elijah. And so I talked about how, when we, when we take communion, uh, we're always looking forward, not to the coming of Elijah, but now to the second coming of, of Jesus, and I pointed out in in I think it's Mark 14, 25 or twenty six, where Jesus says, "Truly, I tell you, I will not drink of the cup of the vine until I drink it with you anew in the kingdom of heaven." You know, and so uh, it's almost like that that fifth cup, that Elijah cup. Jesus is saying, um, you know, that that's that's reserved for my next coming, the next time we are together. We will drink of that fifth cup. So in essence, to sum that up, basically, we're looking at past. We're looking at present. We're looking at future. And then I tied it into what we say about the mystery of faith, that Christ has died, past. Christ yeah. is risen, present reality, and Christ will come again.
1: Man, you you know, you, you might like a uh, Grace Brethren, Communion. There you go. <laughs> that was they, we, we, that was kind of the pattern that we did is the, the elements yeah. uh, themselves were like the past work that you're talking about. We yeah. did a foot washing. I love it. Talk about kind of the present ministry of Jesus yeah. um, to us through the Spirit and then I had a love feast, kind of in that anticipation or that fifth cup that you're talking about, as well. And so, that's that those kind of ideas are something I'm somewhat familiar with from my very first pastorate.
2: That's that's beautiful. Uh, I love that. It's it's such rich symbolism, and I think that's what people took away from it. Yeah. um, When you can connect uh, that very purposeful meal and how Jesus is very. Purposeful with that, and in inserting himself into into that meal, and so then from then on, uh, Christians, whenever they would gather, not just once a year on Passover, then they would find that time to break bread and drink the cup, and remember what Jesus did and what Jesus said, uh, and then and, and I at the end of. Um, the second service, I had used some of your words. You had said this um, one time during communion. You said every Sunday that we gather at the table, it's like a it's like a link in the chain that connects us from you know the first first communion, the first Passover to the the time when Jesus comes back. So I'd mentioned,
1: you know, we, we Man, I probably to, stole it from somebody. <laughs> couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, I don't know <laughs> when or where, but. Look at
2: that. Yeah, Me
1: with a tweetable.
2: There you go. There you go. A quotable quote from from Pastor Aaron.
1: Quotable quote. There you go. Well, awesome, man. So what's the next scene in this uh, 24-hour journey?
2: It's going to be Gethsemane. And uh, and one of the things, uh, I close the message with Psalm 118, which would have been, scholars say, the psalm that Jesus and his disciples sang as they ended their meal and right before they went to to gethsemane which is you know such rich rich um you know starts and ends with give thanks to the lord for he is good for his love endures forever and then the middle sections are are stuff you know he he is my helper god is my helper why trust in men why trust in princes so you can imagine jesus praying psalm 118 before he walks to gethsemane which is really where the events take off pretty quickly at that point Mm -hmm. so
1: Man, this is going to be a fun series. It was
2: good. So Cindy's preaching next Sunday. She's got Gethsemane, and then yeah. we'll, we'll go on from there.
1: So Right on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wyatt Park, you're in for a treat here. It's good. We're having fun. So we kicked off uh, our Lent series uh, in First Peter. Mm-hmm. And so Eric Bolger preached for us, and he really – so his sermon title was Living as Elect Exiles. Mm-hmm. And he really keyed in on – that phrase that he uh, Peter opens up uh, just referring to the church uh, there as elect exiles and kind of use that to kind of frame. And he walked through and, and showed how Peter develops um, those two ideas of being elect and also uh, being exiles through uh, kind of the, the opening movement of the letter there, and so the, well, the reason I brought up Frodo was he kind of uh, used Frodo as a good example because when I mean when we think of those terms mm-hmm. um, like elect or election can be kind of a theologically charged sure. uh, term
0: sure. um,
1: that often uh, results in a lot of yeah. debate and throwing things and red faces and yeah. um, and he said you know it's really interesting that that's what it devolved into because when Peter uses it, it's supposed to be a great encouragement uh, to the church. Um, And so he, he kind of talked a little bit about how, you know, Frodo might be a good example of what it means to be elect. And he Mm -hmm. talked about how he was chosen to king uh, ring, carry the ring of power to Mordor. He's called to this, this journey of suffering and loss, uh, but he was enabled and equipped along the way to really carry out that, that deliverance, uh, from evil, and so and there, there's a sense in which that's a good picture of what how the Bible talks about what it means to be elect.
0: Mm. Um, I like
1: that, and so yeah, I think the NLT he says you will use that ch- you're chosen by God. Mm-hmm. That's the idea that yeah. it's not that. Um, oh, I chose you and then everybody else is out. But there's this idea that God sees and, and selects. Um, and I, I, that, that doesn't make us better than anybody else. Sure. And I, always, I I, don't think he brought up the first Corinthians passage, but typically when you're chosen by God, it means you're not the brightest bulb in the bin.
2: <laughs> That's a good point. Um,
1: I chose the foolish things of this yeah. world to shame the wise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is this idea of chosenness that God sees mm. and, and, and selects someone, which mm. I, I maybe should have done select because he got other S's here, but I was preaching about it. <laughs> it's um The second idea when he talked about elect um, was this idea that you're set apart, right? That idea mm. that there's a, there's a purpose, right? That you've said set apart and Peter will tie this into holiness throughout the letter. Um, that there's this idea that, uh, but also, uh, also of of mission a little bit, uh, which is kind of the third thing he said. It was is sent by God. So you're chosen, mm. you're set apart to kind of be uh, different from the world around you, and then you're sent by God um, to. so there's a, it's a missional term. Mm. And so, what, like as you're looking at those ideas, wow. how, how is that maybe uh, set? help round out um, or like, I guess when in your interaction with people, are there one of those three, maybe that you feel like, God, we we sometimes miss that piece of it.
2: Yeah. um, That's a, that's a good, good question. Um, I think, uh, I I think a lot of uh, most Christians know that we were, so we're called by Jesus to to make disciples, um, but I think one of the things that we have the biggest difficulty with is those who aren't serving in, in full-time ministry in a church, mm. um, it, can be, it can be difficult for people to think of themselves as, as a minister, um, mm. wherever they're at, you know? um to think of them you, you whatever your job is maybe you're a school teacher maybe you're working in in government or the city or um you know working an hourly job somewhere at a supermarket and and just to think that i, I all i'm here to do is just to get paid and then to go home you know um and so i, I wonder if I, and, and this is probably on on us as, as pastors and, and church leaders uh, and really church history. Um, the Protestant movement has tried to be better at not having such a chasm between um, pastor and, and laity and, and teaching people that whatever they're chosen or whatever, they're, whatever God leads them to do, um, that they're to do it as unto Christ. And when they're clocking in or clocking out, it's to be done with the, the thought that really I'm here to honor Jesus, and how I interact with customers and how I interact with my coworkers, you know. And and so for it, it's just interesting because for those of us who are in working in the church in some some area, that's that's very easy to keep in in front of us. Um, but I think for for a lot of people who just kind of going through life and, and again, just sort of miss out that God has, has set them apart uh, wherever they are mm-hmm. and, and that they are to be set apart no matter what they do. And uh, you know, it just makes me really appreciate what uh, Manhattan Christian college, their slogan is um, where I got my undergrad. They talk about how they, they want to prepare uh, Christian leaders for service in this world Regardless of their their chosen profession, mm. and so um,
1: well, you guys have a great example of that. I saw Miranda Ham got like yeah. the school district's person of the year.
2: Yeah,
1: um, and she and well, it was, I, it's been fun too to just watch how when someone takes that seriously, how it yes. can even drag a pastor and a whole church into <laughs> yes, right, like yes. I mean, really into <laughs> the calling so of God it's in a so unique true. and special way. Yeah, yeah, um, right. And so, I mean, you. Yeah. Like that's like that's what can happen, and I, lo- I love I right. love it when people in our church catch that vision yeah. of the calling of, of the scripture.
2: Hundred uh, percent, yeah, because
1: yeah. it becomes such a catalyst, right, uh, for the gospel.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, instead of saying, uh, you know, Pastor, please give me something to do. You know, please give a ministry, give me ministry. May- maybe our encouragement is to well, let's start how can we start with what you're doing monday through friday you know and and equip people to see themselves as Christ's ambassadors right there first and then we can move out to a nonprofit or we can move out into a ministry in the church or something but let's start where we're spending most of our time throughout the week
1: <laughs> yeah that's great well it's it's so it's it's neat when you connect that missional part to yeah. the 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 chosen selected part.
2: Yeah, yeah, right.
1: I think that's I know for a lot of people there's that struggle of well, if some people are chosen and other people aren't. No, they're chosen yeah. so that they'll go get everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like 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 <laughs> that's, Israel. That's the pattern in scripture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is that Israel was chosen that right. they would be a kingdom of priests to the nations. Yeah. Um, and so I just I love that elect is such yeah. a rich term that when you can kind of separate it. From all the baggage that sometimes happens in theological circles, in philosophical circles, um, it it really it is it it tells me about my identity, who I am, uh, how I'm supposed to live, but also who I'm supposed to reach. Right? That's that's, there's it's all tied up, um, kind of in that one term, which is pretty cool.
0: That is is
2: good. I love that. That's a good. um,
1: The second half of that phrase is the exile piece. And, <laughs> again, ex, uh, Eric pointed to Frodo as kind of an example of this, that he was sent away from the the comfort of the Shire. Um, he's he's really perceived as a halfling. So, I, like, mm. one of the things he was that, uh, brought up that I forgot in the books is, like, um, hobbits really aren't mentioned in the great stories of old. <laughs> right? There's not... Like yeah. these great warrior kings that were hobbits. That no, were
2: hobbits, right. Uh,
1: and so <laughs> like, true. he gets called like a halfling, right? Uh, uh, almost like a half human hmm. um, because he's short in size and strength. And so he's often belittled and made fun of by other people. Um, <laughs> uh, but he does have this outsized influence on the story and is able to resist Again, the ring—the the, the ring—in yeah. a way that others really can't. Like there's a lot. Like it corrupts even good other good men. Yeah, in the story. Yeah, um, and there's something about oh. him not quite fitting in to that realm or being this strong king who maybe wants that kind of power mm. um, as a as that makes him, in a sense, an exile. Mm. So he kind of summarized it this way. He, he talked about, right. We live in a, a culture or a world. That's not, not our own. It's not our home. Right. We don't belong there. Um, and I mean, with, in the case of Peter, his audience might actually be people who have been displaced from home. True. So I think, I mean, he talks about it in a very spiritual sense, but right. he might be playing off of also a, a lived reality for them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's probably not a, it's probably a both and not an either or, um, and then, so in that sense, like when we talk about, mm-hmm. we're living for an age to come, right? That idea yes. of th- this, yes. the world as it's set up, right. uh, We don't belong to it, right? Um, we belong to a kingdom of heaven.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we live in constant tension with this culture, right? There's this 100%. sense of the values of the kingdom of heaven that mm-hmm. Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount aren't really, They're just not we're going to be our lived reality. Um, right. People aren't quick to adopt those ones. Right. That's um, true. <laughs> winning by being crucified. Most <laughs> people just don't sign up for that.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> and so, and then there's this, uh, this, the, the tension of not, not only do we not have the same values, but our culture really w- wants us to, mm. to fit into the mold that they're after. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and so there's this calling to us to, to live count counter-culturally And so you can see that even even though the role as an exile or that understanding the exile helps us to step into that election, so to speak, as well. And so when you think about being an exile, um, especially even during this Lenten season, what are some things that maybe we should be thinking about to maybe detach ourselves from being too comfortable Mm. in the world we're living
2: in?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um
2: as i mean the big thing is is coming up with with uh it's it's an election year and and uh what better time to remind ourselves that uh yeah i mean waiting for that word
1: play well, that's right
2: <laughs> uh you know i'm not saying that people shouldn't vote or, or have opinions politically um i i just think that if if we don't remember first that our identity is in our citizenship in heaven, then whoever is voted in in November, if that's not your your personal choice, then you have every right to like completely panic and say, man, America is over. And and you have every right to say, man, my hope is, is in America continuing. If, you know... And and the, the the sad truth is, and I, and this is one of the hardest things for, for me to say, uh, is that there's going to come a day where America, like Rome, is is not going to exist. Now, if that happens at the coming of Christ, when when the new age is ushered in, mm-hmm. then so be it. Um, if if it was if the. American experiments uh, sometime before then was to come to an end and come. I, I would be sad, uh, incredibly devastated. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I would hope that my I, I would be reminded of the fact that uh, there's been a lot of kingdoms and a lot of governments that have fallen in the last 2,000 years since Jesus came, and uh, it hasn't deterred the movement of Jesus around the world. (laughs) So um, we don't like to think along those lines, but I think it's just a good, a good um, reminder for us to, to settle in um, Mm. and whatever, whatever shaking underneath the ground, it's going to continue to shake until the, the, the coming of, of the next stage. And and at that point we'll, we'll see where rock bottom is and what, (laughs) what the solid ground is at that point.
1: man, I'm still trying to figure out how they just decided to say, hey, let's run back the last one. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. Oh, uh, 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 so I, uh, I you're And that's, you're right yeah. in that that's that primary, keeping our kingdom citizenship at primary. And I think of that it, whether it's politics, whether it's um, engaging like in the workplace or public schools, right? Yeah. There is this sense where we should, Not resign ourselves to disengage. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, but there is the sense that you have to be engaged. I'm actually I was prepping first Peter. Um, and so I'm gonna pull it up real quick because your thought is triggering something I was kind of wrestling with. Um that won't be this coming week, but it'll be a couple weeks from now. But he talks about I urge you, right? Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Mm. There's a sense though, when he commands that, that you're going to be among them. (laughs) And like, so there is this call to engagement. uh, But before that, he says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, right? So there's this idea of you got to see yourself as not belonging here, but you're not supposed to run off to the hills and hide and not engage. We, we are called uh, to participate, represent Jesus in those spheres, and we can, in yeah. some sense, ward back the darkness yeah. um, in in some sense, but I think it's where sure. we think that we can somehow like take over, dominate, create a utopia, but sure. that, that gets utterly distorted, right. um, and so... You uh, know, usually we try to either dominate or we just head for the hills, ignore it, d- disengage entirely, yeah. and I don't think either of those things right. are a helpful way to live as exiles. True, true. Yeah, in the world.
2: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's a, that's a great, great point. I mean, through Christian history, there have been some people who've lived in, you know, closed-off communities. Um a lot of those folks they copied scripture and copied scripture and so they had a purpose and stuff but you know the, the for us as as Christians the the best thing for us to do is not to to run and hide and it's it's not to um try and 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 grab all the power so that we'll be on top when when the time comes but to um what is it uh, is it Peter that says um if it if it all possible <laughs> to live at peace mm. w- with everyone, as as much as it depends on you live at peace. There's also the thought to 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 live a quiet, peaceable life, <laughs> you know, as much as possible. Um, and and so those Ro- are just
1: Romans twelve, I think.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Which is easier said than done. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it, but it's a good.
1: Well, and what I love though is that these these like Peter and Paul are both speaking into environments where people are like being truly persecuted, true, yeah, um, and suffering, and it's and he's not, they're not asking these people to do anything that they don't think God won't empower them to do, yeah, and so how much more should I be able to again live with uh, an attitude of love? And sent and step into the the power of the spirit, hmm. and so Very yeah. I mean, I think the, the the historical context I think really challenges us to not let ourselves off the hook too easily. There,
2: yeah. But no, I like that. That's that's a powerful word for starting Lent. Whew.
1: All right, oh man, now I'm excited about both these series. That's awesome.
2: That's good. Hey, by the That'd way, I, I did find the bald hobbit is uh, is dwalin. Dwalin. He's he's the big. He's like the the tough muscles. He's got the knife, uh, fantastic beard, and an amazing bald, amazing bald head.
1: Oh, that is beautiful. But he's a dwarf, right?
2: Uh, let's see Thank here. You. Um. Let's see here. I just typed in bald
1: hobbit. I the, you I got him too, but I think he's actually.
2: Hmm. I, he probably is a dwarf.
1: Ballin and ballin.
2: I think somebody just. Yeah. Well. Although. Yeah, I think well, he. Yeah, I think he's a dwarf. Yep. You're
1: right. I, uh, I I might have to flag him for a future conversation here. Hey, that'd be great. That dome is pretty. It's, it's, it's exquisite. <laughs> exquisite it's funny how like a good beard can really highlight
2: yeah 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 no oh, i agree 100
1: <laughs> i love
2: it it's fantastic dude
1: well brother uh, thanks for another wonderful conversation Yeah, i hope you have a great yeah. week and to our listeners i hope you have a wonderful week too beware of those bears yes
2: grace and peace out